Okay, y'all, here we are back in the studio. Let's get warmed up. It's cold in the home of Sin City. Special guest hanging out in Hot Lanta. But if I remember right, it wasn't necessarily that uh, warm there at this time of the year. But it's really, really, really nice to be back in the studio and have this opportunity to speak to this magnificent, awesome dude, gentleman, founder and CEO of Sada Services. Be the game changer. Influential speaker, business coach, entrepreneur, and author. Larry McClellan. You there, Larry? Yes, I am. Oh, what's going on? How you doing today? Everything's good. And yourself? Man, I'm fantastic. So let me, from from a one to five, how was that intro? I would say a five. What? Oh, brother. You, <laughs> that's so much love. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. So anyways, uh, welcome to Kicking It With KJ, and I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me. Um, this is my second phone interview that I've done um, and coming out of Atlanta. So, hey, the listeners are out there. Um I kind of gave a little, uh, probably, I probably didn't even scratch the surface of who you are. And I know we're going to get into that. But if you would like to give the listeners a little uh, introduction from the Larry McClellan, Be the Game Changer uh, side of the house. Well, as you said before, I'm Larry McClellan. I am a Mississippi-born native. And I grew up believing that values mean more than anything in the person's life. And with that being said, I went and joined the military. I did 24 years in the military, uh, retired from the United States Army. And after retiring from the Army, I felt like I wasn't, wasn't ready yet to uh, hang the hat up with working. So I decided to uh, build a business, uh, Solder Services LLC. This business is derived around my family's um, I would say motivation and it involves with entertainment. I'm a father of four and I have five grandchildren. Um, and that's about it. That's wow. me in a nutshell. Wow, man. I, that, well, Larry brother that you have a big nutshell though. So, um, first, you know, let's let, I want to give a shout out to Rico for putting us in touch you know, like, uh, if I didn't do that, you know, at least I don't want to be on the end. I, you know, I consider myself family, Air Force family and a deployed brother family, but I don't want to catch the thrashings if he's like, bruh, really? <laughs> so, okay. yeah, oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. let me throw one out there for Rico. But, uh, you know, I, one, I appreciate that. I'm a family guy too. Um, uh, big family, uh, got, Six, six of them out there. One uh, is just turning, uh, just turned eight months old, and I too serve. So, first of all, uh, thank you for your service. So, is it is it is it top as a you as a first sergeant in the army? Um, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, we call you top. And you know, it was funny. I I got to be immersed into the uh, the the army side of the house quite a few uh, times. I uh, was a class one advisor for uh, CJ Soda with the third and seventh uh, special forces group. And I ran mortuary affairs for the 101st infantry. Um, so I love the way you guys do business, but man, I'm going to tell you, that's, 
what you've done and what research I've done. And I'm looking at your page and it's, um, man, you're, you're, you're intimidating. And I don't say that to many people. Um, and it's not just cause the, the look it's because, um, you just look super professional and like you're, you're about business. And, um, I wonder going back to your army days, did you ever find like that was a barrier? Cause you know, we have a, a large veteran, uh, uh, audience as well as people that are still active and you know us as guys and family people sometimes I think our rank position or uh just our demeanor that 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 look of seriousness did you ever find that was a barrier while you were in the army and even as you transitioned to starting your business how, how did how did that play out I'm just curious because I deal with that a lot and I'm trying to uh, manage through that well I would start back in the days when I was a uh, platoon sergeant and when I transitioned, became a first sergeant, when they look at the photo that normally would display on the chain of support and ISO, uh channels, they would look at my picture and they would think that I'm a very, a very mean type guy yeah. because if unspoken, people sometimes view me as, as uh, unapproachable. Mm. But when, but when the group or the, the organization get a chance to know me, who I am and the side of me, there's two, there's a few different sides and it's all based off according to what is very important to get the mission accomplished. Mm. Now, what I mean when I say that is if it requires a straightforward approach, then I can be that guy that's straightforward. And if it applies to being just to be a leader, to influence the organization to accomplish the mission, then I'm a hands-on person and very fun to get along with, as I would say myself, and others have uh, witnessed to that. Now, I'm not a person that like to mistreat anyone. I'm a person that like to see people excel, to see people accomplish things, and to motivate and influence them in accomplishing that the best way I possibly can. Be the game changer. Now, as a first, yes. Mm. And as, as a first sergeant, it is a responsibility uh, in the Army, you know, E-8 Army First Sergeant, it's a responsibility to teach, coach, mentor, and train the unit to accomplish his mission. I reflect upon that in almost everything in my life that I do. It goes from family relations all the way over to business perspectives. And I have a firm belief that if you treat everyone with the utmost respect, the outcome or the results that you get from them will always be the most that they can give you. And as a leader that has led many organizations across the globe, you got to be able to deal with people in, in, in multiple facets. Now, that's, that goes without speaking because, uh, as you, you know, as a chief in the United States Air Force, you know when it comes to leadership and the challenges that come along with it. Right. And you also know about sometimes you got to be able to manage both sides of it. You got you to gotta, you gotta tear them down, build them up, and at the same time, you got to keep them motivated. Right? What, so, hmm. go ahead. No, you, you said some stuff that, you know, and I, ended, I took a notes. Um, I, I wrote down gems and gold. And I feel like you touched on some of that. Like, first, when did Larry, um, NCO, businessman, entrepreneur, 
influential. When did you realize in your life you had so much to give? I mean, you know, like, because I was a young guy too. And I, you know, I didn't necessarily know my, my self-worth. And I think that's a big thing going on in today's world is people lack the ability to know their self-worth. And how often did you encounter, how often do you manage when you try to tell someone their value and worth? Do you see the resistance in it because they don't see what you see in them? That's a real good question there, Kev. Me, Larry McClellan, I was raised by my parents, my grandparents, and my aunts and uncles on both sides of, of my mom and dad. The thing in Mississippi, being a, a Mississippi native, it comes with love. Uh, that's my firm belief. Mm. So throughout time, as I was progressing through the ranks of the United States Army, there were some times that those values came very handy for me because you have to, I looked at it always like this. What I'm asking or what I'm influencing someone to do for the good of the mission could cause them their life. So I want them to know that I always have their best interest at hand and to trust in me that I see a bigger picture than what they see because I got the leadership side and I got the unit function side that I'm looking at. The soldier itself, him or herself may just be looking at the uh, function side because they don't understand why we need to get to this certain point that I'm trying to influence us or motivate us to reach and attain. That same perspective played very well across the management of my business because Uh, I I deal with so many people on a regular basis and in order for my entire mission and my business to operate smoothly and or to accomplish its milestones that I needed to accomplish, I got to be able to motivate them to work with me because if they don't work with me, it could be detrimental for any success that I'm looking for, any goal that I'm looking to achieve because Uh, People in society is very different than people in the military. Oh, amen to that. I learned that. (laughs) I learned that. (laughs) So when I trans... No, no, please. Go ahead, Larry. So when I transitioned from retired Army First Sergeant to civilian, civilian entrepreneur... I had a small awakening that I had to go back and retrain myself on. And I was always a person that liked to, like to achieve goals. I like, I like winning that word W I N. I like to win. Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah. So in the military, being the first sergeant, people or soldiers, I would say all, they had such a responsibility to adhere to my leadership. So once you got the right group of people in right in the military fashion, that wasn't hard because they're going to do what the first artists they do, um, you know, on both sides of the aisle, the officer and the NCO and the soldier, right? Right. So when I came out in the business world, it wasn't that easy because they have a right to say no. They have a right to, to agree. They have a right not to agree. And there's no consequences other than 
probably a failed business practice, right? Right. So what I did is I sought out this organization uh, called Toastmasters International. Okay. And my main objective to get out of Toastmasters International was to be able to speak in a less aggressive manner with associates. Mm. And it, it helped me a lot. It helped me a very lot because I could portray the information because that's what I've been doing for the last my whole entire adult life Right. was military missions. But now that I'm out in the business world dealing with everyday people that has the right to object and to right to support, I got to be able to speak in a less aggressive way. Yeah. You know, and, and I apologize. I, I want to jump in because you, you just... <clears throat> You literally just hit a bullseye with something and something I struggled with, but I think it's important for me to foot stomp this um, with the listeners is I went through the same thing, you know, and I'm only uh, like maybe just going on 60 days retired after uh, I did over 28 years. And, um, awesome. congratulations. Oh, brother, man. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, someone asked me like, do you miss it? I'm like, no, <laughs> I miss the people. Um, but there, there's, I, I don't, I think it's okay to say, no, nah, I don't, I mean, I don't miss it like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but I went through the same thing you went and I want the listeners who do a career to understand this pivot. And I had kind of summarized like this is like I said, when I was the chief, I was obligated to lead and I wanted to lead, but people mm-hmm. under my charge were fairly obligated to follow literally what you just said. Mm-hmm. And here I found myself trying to create a brand. And then I'm like, man, maybe I wasn't that valuable, you know, because I'm looking for the followers. Right. And right. I found myself getting frustrated. And, and I know I think we'll cover some of this because you've done something that I'm not sure I want to do, but I think I want to do um, because I think we are cut from the same cloth based on what we learned as military people. And, and through frustration, I had realized I needed to make a paradigm shift in what I was as a leader. And it kind of was like this, you know, and it, since your army will use this, you know, you like, you know, let's say you got that, that, um, uh, that, 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 that armor, are they a brigade? You know, let's say tanks, right. And you yeah. got, and you got the lead and they're following. And I think that it, that's the, that's what we came from. We were used to that boots on ground charge with followers. And what epiphany I had was I now have to be that leader who is a lighthouse that maybe no ships will ever come near them rocks for months. Mm-hmm. But one day that cruise liner may have gotten lost in a storm with 3000 passengers and I'm there. And, and, and I commend you for what you're doing because like you, um, me and you both didn't necessarily have to do that. Because what I wrote down um, on my notes, and, and, and I'm going to just, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, you're the first person I took notes for. So, um, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> well, well, because, you know, um, because I think it is it, important to be like, well, you know what, I, I don't, because me and you've never met each other, you know, besides a, a phone call before this. And, right. and it, I want you to understand that it's like I took it serious and, 
and I, and I value your time and appreciate your willingness to come on board. I think this is win-win, right? Let's be real with folks out there listening. Like growth comes from both understanding there's mutual wins, not I win, you lose, or I gain subscribers, you don't get, I mean, it's a win-win scenario, but everything I read just in your business page to me read service, service, service. And you did not have to throw yourselves into this world of being rejected. I, t- tell me I'm wrong that you didn't get rejected more than accepted as you built your empire and pushed through. And you didn't need to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely spot on. And, and, and I think it takes courage to do that because some of us could just, I mean, some of us with our retirements, we, we can live. I mean, I don't know how the cost of living is, is um, in Atlanta um, compared to uh, where I'm at out here in uh, the, in the Vegas area, but we don't need to do this stuff, but our hearts and desires come from a place of love. So I wrote down love cause um, I, I, I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Um, but you, when you, when you said what you said about, changing in the win I had to change and I had to redefine what the win was. Mm-hmm. And and I appreciate that because what the listeners don't know is, is something I was struggling with and whether you knew it or not, you helped validate that I made the right choice because you're leading and I'm following in this particular situation. And a lot of the people that we want to help, they don't understand that we're putting the gems and gold in front of them and it's up to them to trust it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm sorry I, inter- I interrupted, but I, I thought that was really, really um, a hard thing um, that I struggled with as, as a person because we take the rank off. We're just people. When we put the ranks on, they just see the rank first. Um, but I, I wrote something down that, 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 t- that I'm going to ask you, uh, What's your thoughts on it? I wrote it down and um, it's, it's impromptu to you and no doubt you will hit a grand slam. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. And I know you've, right. you've dealt with this. So this is how I, I wrote. I said, most can't handle your light. So they turn their back on you, but they stay close enough because they need your light to warm their backs. That's an awesome thing. And I agree with that 100%, Kev, because here's a, here's a story. I remember there was a time, I I think I was in Germany, and I had a joint forces. I was a senior listed advisor for DLA Europe and Africa, right? The Defense Logistics Agency. Mm -hmm. And so being, I was the first ever uh, senior listed advisor for the organization over there. And when I got there and arrived, the commander and the vice admiral that was in Fort Belvoir, Virginia, they gave me a strict mission to bring all 700 and something employees together and make them one unit. Not all of those 700 and something employees, uh, probably 200 and something uh, joint force services members and 500, roughly 500 contract civilians and GSA civilians. Now, just to give you that little story, you know there's a lot of diverse backgrounds there. Right. So I had one mission to bring them together as a complete unit for both for Europe and Africa. Right. It wasn't a hard, and it wasn't an easy task, Kev, because a lot of those people were older than me. And 
me being the person that I am, I like to win. And I like to see people also reach their goals and achieve successes. So, like you said, we have to agree with each other in order to get to a certain point as an organization or as a group. And people disagreeing sometimes, they they believe firmly in what they believe. Mm. And sometimes you got to, at the same time, you trying to change their thought process, you got to also influence them to agree with you, to, uh, to work with you. Yeah. That's what, that, that relates, to me, that feels relate, relatable to what you asked me, because it, is, it was a plenty of times where people didn't agree with me. But yet in the end, when I got ready to leave Europe and Africa, and we were doing my farewell ceremony to see so many people that were always disagreeing with me on certain matters, to see them standing there with tears in the eyes as they walked through the receiving, the receiving line, to see tears in the eyes that I was leaving, it tells me, if you have something that's instilled inside of you to lead an organization, maintain that value and maintain your, your your trait because in the end they're going to agree with you because they became winners themselves. Yeah, through second and third order effects. Yeah, and, and, and it's funny because something you had said in there and it made me write down um, absolutes. And the best leaders never think in absolutes. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm sure through you know when you're consulting. Um, I'm sure you have run into challenges um, or mediation um, and you find the person who thinks in absolutes and, you know, in today's world, you know, and not to get into politics, you, we can talk. No, we don't. I don't want to talk about, I try to stay out of the political conversations, but if you talk, <laughs> if you talk politics, um, if you talk human behaviors, I try to tell people and, and you, I promise you as a leader, um, you will go in and say, well, listen, you know, let's, let's have an open mind. Let's be respectful. Let's not think in absolutes because then we can get to a point of resolution. And, Absolutely. and we find um, in like today's world or climate of, you know, this, you know, like I said, not talking politics, but, you know, I watch so many people just think in absolutes and just walk away from the table and, and label other people. I'm like, and you were a leader. You know, I was like, yeah. I was like, who are you? I said, who are you leading and what are you leading? And, you know, and, and so, you know, uh, you know, I just appreciate that because I wrote that down because um, I don't know. Am I am, am I going to get charged for all this uh, uh, subliminal uh, advice I'm seeking for me? <laughs> but I struggled with that because I was like, man, like, you know, I have peers that say they're vest that, you know, they would say they were invested in the same content I'm pushing, right? Let's say I do um, something about, um, let's say like this, right? Leadership, veterans, entrepreneurship, all this stuff we're talking about. And I put the content out there, right? Mm -hmm. And me and you as veterans benefit from from it being shared, right? Absolutely. And then it's like, I wish I could do a cricket sound, you know, like, you know, crickets, but I'm like, man, you sure share Dwayne Johnson, the rocks crap. And then you share, you know, Simon Sinek and Maxwell and, 
and Zig Ziglar. And I'm like, well, what about the little guy? And, <laughs> and, and it just blew my mind because it makes me want to question, um, um, it, 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 can, is it that you feel threatened? Uh, you, I mean, it could be a thousand different things. And I hate, I hate, um, the unknown because based on the little time we've talked, Larry, I guarantee you that whether we saw eye to eye on something, we'd respect one another. If it was just tell me what's on your mind. Yeah. And, and too many folks out there, you know, it, it, I, I'm not going to lie. There's times where I was like ready to quit. Um, and then when I get put in touch with you via Rico, um, it, it's, it's those little things that were like, no, you know what? Why? Um, you know, why would I quit when I don't even know where the real win is? And so when you talk about change and wins, and then I wrote down absolutes, because it looks like you went through that too. The same people who would, who would share leadership perspective about you can't think in absolutes, uh -huh. absolutely thought in absolutes when you were put in absolutely. charge of trying to accomplish something. Absolutely. Man. So I'm going to tell you, I wrote a lot of stuff down. Um, so and I'm going to say, I'm going to save this one. This one is a little more fun. Um, success. How did, how, how did your definition of success, um, steering away from the military life? Cause I think both of us know that we learned a ton from the military that we didn't really realize till later in the years. Cause it was just a natural battle rhythm a muscle, you yep. know, involuntary movement, like, holy crap, I am a leader and I do have instincts. How many times do you think you redefined success as an entrepreneur? Um, like, did it just grow? Was it just side of services, like right out the gate? Or did it start off with, you know, a pebble or, you know, the little snowball and it just evolved um, over time? Okay, charter services evolved over time. I started charter services in 2012 when I was deployed in Afghanistan. I have always had this entrepreneurial spirit inside of me. And I, and, and I went to college while I was in the military for business administration and business management. Mm. So, I've, so I've always had that inside of me because it was a, something I wanted to do. But I didn't never think that I would be doing it in this capacity that I'm doing it in now. So in 2012, that that deployment, the problem was getting worse and worse. Every time I go on, it was worse and worse. So I said, in 2012, I said, I'm shutting it down. I'm I'm going to close it out. Because if I make it back to Fort Hood, I'm going to close it out. <laughs> okay. So what I started doing was I started building a plan. And my very first company for, with solder service was actually a lung care company. When I got back to Texas, I, I built the lung care company and it became quite, quite well for me because I always had business, no matter what time of the year it was. You know, don't get too hot in Texas, we too cold in Texas. So I always had business year round to do lawn care, right? Got it. And I, I ran into, a retired sergeant major uh, that he also was doing, uh, he had a entertainment business. And he he offered me to join in with him because he, 
he saw how I had built it. You know, we, we would meet sometimes, you know, across and across. And he, he said, Hey man, I got this business. What I do is I promote, I do concerts. And he said, I would like for you to join with me, man, and see if you like it. Maybe it's something you want to think you want to get into. So at the time I said, why not? Because I'm looking for things that I'm, that, that I want to do after I leave the military. And my very first show I did with him, I, I invested $4,500 into the show. Right? And I got 100% of my money back and about $5,000 more. So I left that show, that one show, with right at $9,000 and I only put 4500 in. Hmm. I was sold at that moment. I said, entertainment is going to be it. <laughs> did you did you hesitate to say yes at first? Because I think that's some of the barriers that you probably may run into based on uh, an entrepreneur or former veteran is um, it's easy to be labeled as uh, preying on folks when that's not true. You just want to see them eat too. Um, and when it comes to people's money, they seem to always want to hesitate. And I, and I understand that, but you you took the leap of faith. So did, were you ever hesitant? Um, and if yeah, you were... I had- I had hesitant thoughts, but I looked at it like this. At the time, I was still active military. My bills were paid. I was just trying to set the conditions for the future. Mm. And I had made I made myself my my uh, made up in my head that this forty five hundred dollars wasn't going to break me if I if I failed at it. It was worth so, it. It was worth it. It was very much worth it because if I fast forward to the day, that incident to make a decision at that particular time enabled me to to grow a six-figure business in my spare time. While you were serving? While I was serving. Yeah, that that's amazing. Well, Kudos. Yeah. Thank you. So... That being said, Jeff, entrepreneurs have to take risks. And what I always do and when I consult new startup business owners, I always tell them that when you make a decision to grow something that not yet have yet been discovered, you have to have it in the back of your mind that you may fail the first few times. Yeah. So, so did you fail? Did you find any failures? Along the way, there have been some endeavors that I have reached out to that didn't work. But I always, I always like, I like building a plan that, that enables or embodies the opportunity for uh, calculated risk. What I mean when I say that is there's, not no, there's no new adventure that I'm going to embark upon that I haven't yet set the conditions financially to do it. And what I mean by that is if, if say for instance, I'm going to start a new, um, let's say a new, uh, graphics company. Okay. I start out with a business plan. I start out with a checklist. And at the top of that checklist, 
not at the very top, but in the top percentile of the checklist has to be financial stability to even embark on this in, in, on this endeavor. So I always set aside, when I start new projects or new businesses, I set aside enough money to support me if I fail. Got it. And if I don't fail, then that money is then placed into an investment account. And that investment account will expand and grow my organization for something else, another venture. Okay. And is this, is this what you share? Um, so you were the founder of the side hustle seminar. Is that, is this kind of some of the stuff, the gems that you would get out of that? Absolutely. The side hustle seminar is a four to six hour event. And what I do is everything that you need for a business startup. We teach you, we don't get to the, we don't get to the certification part of it, but we introduce and make sure before you, before you leave there, you have a firm understanding of what it takes to start a business today. Mm. And we call it the side hustle seminar because we believe that every adult needs a side hustle. Because if you rely solely on your nine to five, things could happen. That business could go bottom up. And if that was your sole source of income and it goes bottom up, then you are in a very, very uncomfortable position when it comes to your lifestyle now that your 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 main job has went bottom up. Yeah. But if you create a side hustle, and it needs to start with your passion. Whatever you're passionate about, educate yourself. YouTube, Udemy, all these type of courses, you can educate yourself on this free. Yeah. And Very Google true. University, Google University will put you in the right position to, to, to launch any, almost anything. Yeah. You just got to You got to put the work in, you know, and what I, what I really like about um, what you offer is, is that because it's like, I can watch YouTube how to fix my breaks, but I also am that learner who needs that, um, not just the motivator, the accountability partner, but the, mm -hmm. um, like, yeah, I can see why you read it that way. Um, but this is really the way you want to go because, uh, I can read a book that says slam dunking like Le LeBron James. Right. But right. right. <laughs> I think my vertical is about two inches nowadays. So say it ain't so. Well, no, cause you, but you, but you, I, I think that's the thing though. You know, we've evolved into a world. I mean, even in the medical side of the house, you know, Dr. Google, you know, and, and you got mm -hmm. doctors out there like, Hey, don't, don't do that. You know, you're talking about your body and even you as an entrepreneur, you know, there's, there's value in what you provide and do because you've learned the hard lessons, you know, you know, that's, that's the one degree that people don't remember is the school of hard knocks. Me and you came up, you know, um, playing in the streets, learning hands on, um, in today's generation, it's all virtual and computers in your pocket. I mean, literally I'm sitting here talking to you across the States on a roadcaster with three cell phones in front of me and camp, you know, and right and it's a different it's almost like um it's like one of those movies where it's like man i didn't think we would ever get to this point and it feels like we are but i like that because you talk you call it side hustle um and i can relate to that because i knew when i was coming up i was told i should 
always try to have at least three uh, streams of income. I second that. <laughs> um, and, and, and the thing is, is when I retired, just like you did, and, and, and when I retired, I think you retired before it became like, like by law, congressionally mandated to go through transition assistance and relocation assistance. And, you know, the, the, but, you know, even at that, you know, you get like one week to exit a 20 plus year career versus you was in basic training for six, seven, eight weeks, whatever the time was to learn how to become a military member. And the bad part is, is I don't think people take it as serious as they should. And, but I, when I was going through that, I saw so many of our peers, our brothers, you know, in arms, it was like the hunger games. Like I'm watching the oh, panic yeah. and their resume writing. And I'm like, bro, why didn't you, I was like, well, let me rephrase. <laughs> I didn't necessarily set myself up for the best, uh, transition 28 years prior when my priority was buying gold in Turkey and having that hair oh, yeah. necklace. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and carpet and rugs in, in the middle East. <laughs> right. So, you know, and, and it broke my heart and, um, and I guess I'm kind of shifting a little bit to me and that's why I felt a little bit inspired. So I was fortunate though, to be accepted to what's called the leadership Las Vegas. Uh, it's a chamber program here in Vegas, 31 years. And I was the first active duty chief accepted to do it. And it opened yeah, a lot of Congratulations. Windows. Well, thank you. You know, I mean, it's mm -hmm. uh, man, I don't know how you are. I, I struggle accepting congrats, you know, still, I think it's that weird. We serve, we serve, we serve. And uh, so, but Larry, thank you. But, you know, yeah. here I am looking at everybody else like, man, they're like, I need to get a job. They're struggling to write on their resumes and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And and I was like, wow. So do I just ride off into the sunset with my pension and my new job? And I felt like my heart said, that's not what it's about. That's not why uh, um, if you're a God fearing man like I am, and I think you, you being from Mississippi, that's probably a, an absolute yes. Um, am I am, am I wrong? <laughs> no, no, Kev. I tell you, I I experienced the same thing um, here. I I, re, I just retired in 2016, um, August 2016. Now, prior to that, I would see service members stressing when it's time to get out because they not yet have made a plan. And if anyone is out there listening and, and used to be in my unit, they know about the transition plan that I used to almost force them to go through. And I would tell them that every, every, every body person, not military, not civilian, I'm just saying person in general, everybody person need a five to 10 year goal that has three echelons of what if. And the first echelon would be what they want to do in the next, what they, they, what they current path, what they want to do in the next five years. The second is, what if what is required to keep their family on pace for the next five years? And yep. then the final, the third tier of that is what happens if those two plans are distracted or disrupted in any kind of way? And this is just a plan, Kev. And the leaders on the leaders of those soldiers getting ready to transition are required to have a conversation with those people, those service members. Right. A lot of times it don't happen because of the the uh, high uh, high intensity of the of the mission or the unit daily organization unit. Those things don't happen because it's just not enough time. Yeah. But 
every service member should make time themselves for their future. So a transition. Now, when I got out, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't looking for a job because I had created a job before I got out. Right. Right. And I would always take time doing unit training stand down days to tell those that are under my charge, make a plan for yourself. And if you have a family, make a plan for you and your family. Because this job as a service member is not going to last forever unless you die on active duty. So that means you've got to plan for a lifestyle after the military. Mm. So, so like you're yet to uh, accept my Facebook friend request, so I can't stalk you quite yet. Um, and, and I don't know how you actively use it, but do you find yourself on the platforms that you do use with, um, if you're still associated with some of those folks, have you seen any of them? Like it, it's unfortunate, but it's like, man, I told you, bro, you know, like I told you, you know, like, cause COVID, like no one planned for that. And that like, that's a whole new monster, right? Based on what you're talking about. You have that five to 10 year plan and imagine the people like me who retired in 2020, uh-huh. You know, and I know like one of the things that I, I, I'm just going to go on a limb and just make an assumption that, you know, there's a saying like uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Right. Unless you drown it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they have no choice then, right? Right. You know, I, then. right okay. I actually learned that saying by uh, going with one of my leadership Las Vegas. He's the CEO of uh, Shine a Light um, where they go and try to pull out the um the addicts and folks who live in the sewers there's a there's basically there's people who live underground in las vegas um oh, and, and a lot of them are talented and it actually was written on the wall you can't uh you can lead a horse to water you can't force it to drink and then the caveat unless you drown it and i was like yeah hey, good point it definitely drank the water then but sometimes you know like with what you do um, the emotional intelligence that has to come with the ability to know that you see someone's patterns and behaviors are setting them on a course that is, I don't want to say self-destructive, but definitely not beneficial to them and their family. And I, and I wouldn't doubt that you wouldn't just put a plug in there, be like, Hey man, you know, like come, come holler at your boy or come talk to me. And uh, they blow it off. And then you're sitting there seeing them potentially struggle now. And you're like, you know, like, um, you know, I feel like I got resistance. Like I did an interview and it was like, you know, they, they really, honestly, at first they just, uh, labeled me as like, Oh, you just still wanted attention. And I said, oh, I, yeah. I didn't want $10,000 out of my own pocket worth of, uh, attention. I said, trust me, I could have did a lot of things for free without investing in this. And then when they heard the content, they're like, Oh wow, you really just trying to help folks out. And that's, I think that's the beauty of having you on as a vet, entrepreneur, uh, a, a business coach, influential speaker. But I don't think people understand the amount of rejection that comes with that when you're like, come on, I'm telling you, like, like your foot stomping, you know, and how do you, how do you manage through that? Because um, one of the things I wrote down was um, encouragement. Um, mm -hmm. Because... These, these are all the tools that, that will come with leaders who are like us. Like, like, I'm just going to say it. Like if people are like, so what's your, what's your superpower, Kevin? I'm like, I'm a people person. I connect with people. And 
some listen, some don't, yes. some are, mm-hmm. some pretend they're not. Others are, are capitalizing off of my vibe, which is okay too. But how do you encourage people today who potentially didn't follow that five to 10 year um, plan um, and push them in that right direction? Because no doubt when you approach people, um, do you think the first thing that comes to their mind is like, oh, you know, you're just trying to make money off of me. And I absolutely disagree with that. So I'm going to tell you, I don't subscribe to that because I believe everybody's got to make a living. But genuinely 90% of your drive is like, I really want to help you and get you where you want to be. And oh, by the way, you're your own boss. Oh yeah. Well, uh, I would say this. There are, there are still service members out there that's active and some retired that still send me, send me an email, a phone call, a text message asking and inquiring on that support and that, and, and that opinion or that consultation, uh, not saying I'm charging them for it because we, we're 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 brothers and sisters of uh, of arms. So I'm not going to charge them unless it's a business endeavor. But when it just comes to the basic, okay, a top, I need I need I need your thoughts on this, or I need uh, help with this, etc. I don't mind giving help. Now, and when I when I approach a business deal, I don't go out looking for the business deal. Yeah. Unless it's something that I'm building. If it's something I'm building, yes, I'm forward thinking. But if it's something that I'm a service that I'm providing to someone, a consultation or a business plan or a, or a speaking engagement, et cetera, I wait and let it, let the offer come to me because I, my my thought process about that, Kev, is that if they come to me, they want it. Yeah. If I go to them, sales pitching or giving them a pitch to try to, you know, gain some more business deals, et cetera, with them, then it may be that they're not totally interested or they're not interested at all. Because my time I have to manage it so well in order to make everything happen and give attention to it, to it all. If they come to me, then they, they seeking it out. To me, that means a whole lot. That's why I said it twice. It means a lot if they come to me, right? Because if they come to me, then I could, I could give them what I have to offer. And I can also analyze how it's soaking into them. And that will give me, and general assessment of how much time and effort I need to place into it. Because again, time management is very, very critical because we only get 24 hours in a day. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's funny be that you said that is in the world of entrepreneurship. Um, you, it never really hit me until I was, um, what's the word I'm looking at until I went out into the world outside them gates and time is everything in business. I mean, that, that equates to either lost or gained revenue versus, you know, the military, our time is important and we're 24 hours seven, but you know, it's not like, you know, for your soldiers, you're like, well, I can't give you a pay raise, but I'll give you some time, you know, I'll give you a day off or something like that. Right. Right. (laughs) And, 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 you know, for you, your time is valuable because, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, you know, 
you said I have a family just like I do. And it's like, we don't learn in the military to monetize time as well as an entrepreneur does in my opinion. Um, I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll tell you my closest, my family and my closest friends, closest associates, they sometimes get aggravated about time. Yes. I think we lost you, man. That's the first drop call. Oh my. <laughs> I was, I had my hands up talking at the time because I was about to get into that, that conversation, you know, and, um, and the phone went out. So again, like I was saying time, I mean, I was saying Kev, some of my closest people get upset about time with me, time management, because I got so many things going on that I can't spend a whole lot of time if I don't see the wheels moving forward. If the wheels are spinning or going backwards, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to switch gears. Yeah, true. And sometimes when I switch those gears, they may not be happy with me. Oh. But I, and and see, and that's one of the things that I gotta continue to work on. I gotta continue to work on. Because if they if I classify them as closest to me and they, they don't they're not happy with the time that I'm giving them, right? Yeah. That's a problem, Kim. Yeah. It it is, you know, and, and some of the things um that I was learning because we're talking about time and um what I love about having my own studio is time is whatever we want it to be, um, versus when I was using someone else's studio. But um I look at uh um reciprocity and I actually I got I got a actually a fabulous boss um and I was talking to him about some of my frustrations um about this you know and I was like you know I I've you know I've given money I've given time and you know it's it bothers me that it there's no reciprocation and uh he had talked about he was like well and he'd went to school and he had this Harvard professor and he was like um when they say thank you what do you say in response? Um, and if you've never heard this, then maybe I gave you one little pebble to take forward. Cause it was, it was a mind blowing thing for me. And I said, I said, I usually say no problem. I don't know if mm-hmm. that's something Larry would say, but that's what Kevin James would say. And he goes, that's your problem. He was like, is it really not a problem? I was like, no, nah. I was like, I take time from my wife. I take time from my kids. I take time from other priorities. He goes, exactly. He goes, the right response from, a, from his professor. And I, and I use it now is I know you'd do it for me. Mm-hmm. And then you watch their nonverbals. Cause, oh. cause, cause you know, most times they have zero intent to reciprocate. Um, and, and, and I know that's loaded. Um, because maybe it's not the way I'm, we, I'm tracking. I'm tracking. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so <laughs> I think there's, you know, and I, in, in, in a neg, I, I went into this little area of negativity for about three weeks. I was managing my PTSD, some identity crisis stuff. Do I want to do this, uh, podcasting stuff? And I had told someone, I said, you know, I said, there's fakers, takers, and promise breakers. That's what I've learned doing this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's so it's so not it's so not cool, but I think you might be like, Yeah, but I can feel you. And I don't think anyone else can if they don't start this. Um Yeah, I'm about to say very much true. <laughs> and I had another leader who was like, Well, you know, but it could also be, and this is where I think 
leaders like us may um, devalue ourselves. Um, is another leader of mine, he said, but what if they just don't have the capacity that you have? What if they just that's can't, what if they just can't do what you can do? And, and I, and it, that's another attribute of what we learned from the military. And, and this, the thing mm-hmm. is, I don't think we're valued as much um, on the outside for what we bring. I, I, I going out on a limb and I don't think it's malicious. I think people want to hire vets. So they say that they, they, you know, we take care of vets. I was like, but you want the work ethic for low pay. Right. Right. That's what you really want. And in, in, in it's one of those gray areas where I can't criticize you and be like, well, you don't support the vets. Cause I had a friend who, um, I said, I said, I was like, you know, and it, it was, you know, it was about the, um, any of the, any of the casinos or anything like that, you know, it's like, well, we take care of the vets. I'm like with breadcrumbs, you know, I'm like, I'm like, that's how you say thanks for, combat exposure and stuff like that, you know, and, and I, and I don't know, that's just my opinion. Um, but you know, when you mentioned time, you know, he had mentioned that, uh, uh, about time. Um, he was like, you know, if you, if time is important to you, which it should be, which remember I said, we're not taught to really value or monetize our time. Um, then uh-huh. I need, I need to be willing to tell people like, Oh, it wasn't, a, it's like saying it wasn't a problem, but understand what I compromised and sacrificed to help you. And right. I was like, man, even, even the Godfather said that Don Corleone said that when he said <laughs> one day I'll call upon you and you will be there for me when he did that, uh, the, um, the funeral director a favor. Um, okay. and so, uh, yeah, I just I just went back to that that um story. So I I got I got one more thing that's a little more fun and then um you absolutely can have the floor for anything that I may have not covered or missed. And this ain't got to be the only interview we ever do. You're always welcome to come back. Uh I really enjoy the dialogue, right? So you ready? I'm ready. Okay, man. So I think the listeners deserve to know and we're going to do some random trivia for uh on larry all right so when i say what do you have what do you have what do you have what are we talking about when you say what do you have what do you have right this is this is an iconic iconic eating establishment in the atlanta area i think i think they support georgia tech and they take up like two city blocks well, I think you're talking about Varsity. It's Varsity is a restaurant <laughs> yeah. that's right up over, yeah, right across the street from uh, Georgia Tech Gymnasium. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Okay, okay. If I had a ding, 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 or <laughs> if I didn't have a copyright infringement for playing a little Jermaine Dupree, uh, Welcome to Atlanta, I would have. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was doing a little research about that because I actually had uh, – tried varsity when i was going through atlanta you know atlanta is a, is a beast of an airport um yes hard feel <laughs> and i was going through the lingo where you know uh you know what do you have is was the way the waitresses were like look let's keep moving and and it's funny because so culturally in mississippi um and that's the south is probably may i don't know if it's very similar to so i've never been to mississippi but I've been to Alabama and Georgia and uh-huh. I was stationed in Virginia 
Um, and I'm real, I'm a California guy and the speeds, um, blew my mind and the customs and, 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 you know, so when I was in the South, I remember I was standing in line. So this is a real story. I was at, uh, NCO Academy at, uh, no, I wasn't senior NCO Academy in uh, Maxwell, Montgomery, Alabama. Right. And I go to a fast food establishment and, um, and so I'm expecting it to be fast <laughs> to my right. West Coast California speed. So I walk in and she, <laughs> she was such a sweet. And first of all, I love the I love any sweet tea that requires ice to make it not be so like syrupy. Um, probably why I have like a 40 waist. But uh, I remember walking in and, and she was just like, it was like she was the only lady there. And she was like, hold on, baby. I'll be with you in a second. And I was like, okay. And this is no lie, like 15 minutes later, I'm still standing there waiting to order. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late for class. I'm either not eating or I'm waiting. And I made a command decision. I was like, I'll wait 30 damn minutes to get my food and be late for class because I want to see how this plays out. But, you know, the uh, the hospitality I've always, um, I really always loved about about the South and... um, I mean, I, you know, as an entrepreneur, you, you've kind of stayed in that, that, that area down in the South, whether by choice or not. Um, but culturally, um, I, I'm tying that into the whole varsity to where some people may find that like rude or unprofessional, but it's not, it's the culture of the South, right. To move a little bit slower. Um, everybody's kind of like baby and, um, loving and is that a true thing? Am I, am I falling into a fallacy or, well, it, it is a true thing. Uh, you know, Southern hospitality is I feel, uh, just what it is. It's the hospitality of let's take time and give that customer service to each individual and love and emotion. A lot of Southerners, and I know by way of Mississippi, it's, they try to relate, you know, the emotional type, you know, love of the next human being into everything they do. That's why they say soul food cooking comes from the heart. Because they want to, they want to imply and relate that that emotional side of it to it. Mm. Uh, and, and the South is very, very well known for that. Uh, but myself is just as you said. When I went around to other places throughout the world, you know, it was it was an eye opener that this this particular part of the world don't operate the way Mississippi do. No. You know, and and, and for me, I chose to 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 rest my hat my, after retiring in the southern southern part of the United States because, one, is closer to my, my, my family. My mom and dad family is close to both sides. Uh, two, is because I like the, the relaxation of what the South give us. Mm. Uh, uh, and and I, I, it makes me feel like I can operate and move freely as opposed to being in a fast-paced, uh, you know, New York, uh uh, area or somewhere like that, I, I wouldn't be able to do that because I'm a Southern guy that has that was those values instilled inside of me. A, a, a Southern gentleman. There you go. There you a go. Southern gentleman. I'd, I'd be like, <laughs> look at this tall glass of water. Right. Right. Like, so I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to remember some of my, you know, all my exposures around my travels and, and relate to some of those thoughts. And, and I get it. I actually, when I moved here, um, I fell in love cause you can just be normal guy where I live. Uh-huh. And five hours later I can be Gucci'd out, you know, pretending to be someone on the strip, you know, cause everybody's and dressed that- up and partying and then, 
go back home and I, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm a very much Walmart shorts and shirts guy. <laughs> and see, you being able to transition like that, it, it solely comes from your, your past two decades plus of uh, military service because you can go anywhere and you can fit right in because you are, you know how to adapt to the different cultural, different lifestyles. And that again, Kev, that's one of the things that you, like you said, we have, and it's been with us so long that it's not rated enough to get those 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 extra push on those uh, positions and jobs that you spoke about earlier. Yeah. Well, I I, co- I coined this thing, and you absolutely can use it. I I really did. I tried to look it up and see if it's ever been used, and it's not. Um. So I consider myself the pioneer of it. What that means, I have no idea. Um. Probably nothing. <laughs> but I call no, I. No. What were you going to say? I call it the LMV, and hopefully you can relate to it. Um, LMV stands for your leadership market value. And I think you know as a leader today and in present serving where our stock's not always rising. Right. Um, And so because of what you do, I would encourage anyone who, uh, who is listening, who follows you on your own platforms or me on this platforms or this collaboration to uh, never be afraid to do some uh, due diligence in research and um, raise your leadership market value because it's continual growth. Awesome. That is awesome. You know, um, but yeah, so uh, brother, man, it was an honor to have you on. Um, anything you want to pass on to the listeners before uh, I, I take us to a close? Yes. I, again, I want to take the opportunity to to market my business, and uh, I can be I can be reached on Instagram at at Larry underscore McClellan. Also on uh, Twitter and also on uh, Facebook, just Larry McClellan on Facebook. My website that can reach all my different uh, endeavors is Sada S A D A hyphen services services dot com again that's sada hyphen services dot com and also the 26th of january i'll be releasing a book called monopolize your passion and that book will be available um of course on my website also amazon as well and uh waiting still waiting for the approval for barnes and nobles and books a million so you'll be able to get that book there at those different locations as well. And all again, Kev, it was a great honor to be able to share this adventure with you. And I appreciate uh, you taking your time out uh, for, for this. And I have learned a lot. And one of my key t- takeaways that I is that LMV, Leadership Market Value. I, I really like that concept. And I like that ideology that you gave about uh what it means. And again, uh, uh, again, I'm very appreciative to be able to share this moment with you. And for all the listeners out there, I'll leave you with this statement. If you can see it, you can achieve it. If you can see it, you can achieve it. But that means if, if you can visualize it, you can create a plan to achieve it. Anything you want to achieve. And it's all up to you. If anything is to be in life, 
it starts with you. Again, Cap, thanks you for the opportunity. Brother, huge kudos. Huge kudos. So as we as as we take it out, by the way, I changed music just for you. I had something a little more romantic for the last interview. I wouldn't say romantic, a little more emotional. That's a better word to use. Um, right. <laughs> but, but brother, I appreciate you. And for the listeners, listen, there's folks like me. There's folks like Larry out there. There's lots of folks. And you know what they're doing? They're creating a community of care the same way we created a community of consumption. Don't don't overlook those folks who care, who've been through the rough stuff, laying a foundation for you. And uh, yeah, we're out from KJ Studios.